Welcome to the season one finale of Cult and Culpability. I'm T.A. Newman, your host and keeper. Tonight, we welcome you back to the matinee performance in celebration of Regency Cthulhu, Chaosium's new historical setting for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. In a moment, we'll rejoin the Prido family. But first, a reminder that Chaosium's tabletop role-playing game, Call of Cthulhu, contains mature themes, including cosmic horror, character death, and loss of sanity. We find the Prudos in a rather unique situation. Thomas and Reverend George Prudhoe found that the body of Lord Matthew Prudhoe had been significantly modified at the point of death and appeared to be a lot younger than expected. Anastasia struggled to accept society's expectations of being a respectable lady with a certain Mr. Stephen Jenkins firmly on her mind. All the while, Miss Charlotte Lambert reacquainted herself with her dead husband and then took a dip in the lake. And now we draw back the curtain and roll the dice on the cult and culpability season one finale. Mr. Aldworth opens the door onto Thomas, Reverend George, and Mr. Christopher Burroughs. The body and the coffin have been loaded into the procession carriage, and they have started making their way. I need you, the Prido family, at your utmost discretion and preparation to join us in a slow walk procession through the town. Very good, very good. Well, uh, you you, uh, you start without us. We're jolly good walkers. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you up literally in a couple of minutes, if that is all right with you. I haven't quite finished with Mr. Burroughs here. Quite right, sir. May I just say, if you were planning to catch up, if we cross over the river, then I would say, my good reverend, you very much need to catch up with haste. In my utmost respect, you understand? Uh, uh, no, 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 very, very well, very well. Yes, 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 yes. I am indebted to you for keeping a, 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 a certain semblance of normality to very today's chaotic proceedings. And then he bows to you, and then he turns to uh, Thomas, because he doesn't quite know who the Lord of the Manor is going to be. And he turns to Thomas and bows to Thomas as well. And then he turns to um, Christopher Burroughs and just looks at him with this half-eyed eagle stare. Mr. Burroughs, when you are ready... And he turns on his heels, and he goes. Now, Mr. Burroughs, I, I certainly hope you know the way to the chapel, because it's been a very long time since I've left uh, the, the, this, this town. And uh, well, the, the way to the church is a little, little foggy, so keep an eye out and make sure they don't get to the river before we, we're done. Now, listen here, young sir. There's this primogenitor. Uh, it has no basis in law at all, does it? Well, it's tradition, uncle, and I'm sure that we should respect tradition. After all, great British traditions make great British families. And we, the Prideaux's, are the great British family. 
this conversation's happening. Reverend, can you just give me a history roll, please? I just want to see what the result of this is. Please carry on, uh, Thomas and Reverend, as this roll happens. But I have to admit, Uncle, you do have more of a head for business than I do. And other than the fact that I'm only respecting what my father would want, if you want to take on some of the day-to-day management of the estate, I don't think I'll stop you. Just remember who the true lord will be. And One in that day, I will inherit. flattery that you get there from the potential heir apparent, Reverend, you have a moment where Mr. Oldworth talked about crossing over the river. He talked about meeting us further into town. There's a memory that sparks back for you. And there's two things that happen here. Oh, sorry, may I ask your history roll? Because I need my to know the success of the history indeed, roll. My history roll is a 22 versus 30, a success. In this moment where you're able to realize when Mr. Oldworth talks about the river meeting us on the other side, it's almost as if there's a cold slap across your face. Thomas is talking about rules and laws and primogen in this and tradition and things that you know he's telling you laws that you know and you know you know but you're still arguing them because there's no chance here that you could be lord of the manor of this extremely extremely elusive and ridiculously opulent manor house and it is the most impressive manor house that you have think you have ever been to but crossing the river a memory just peeks back to you it's almost that slap, and that's the reason it's that cold slap is because you have a vision of Philip, your middle brother. He's in the river. You're on the riverbank. And he splashes water up at your face. It feels like a slap. The cold water hitting you in the face, it feels like a slap. As a 13-year-old you, Reverend George, what do you say when your slightly older brother, not oldest brother, sprays this water up at your face? What do you say? He looks down. At, at Philip, and it says, Philip, behavior, I will tell father. Oh, George, stop me such a bore. Come on and play with me and Adam. Stop me such a bore. Oh, God, you're so boring, George. It's wet. I don't want to dry out in front of Matron again. I'm You're always getting to tell in trouble. Father. I'm going to tell father. Honestly, do you not know anything else, George? It's, it's, it splashes it's, you again. It's, he throws more water up at you. He stutters and is unable to speak. Adam, Adam, come on, come down here. Look, look what's under the bridge. Where are you going? And they go without you. They run under the bridge. It's only 10, maybe 15 foot away from you, but they run from where you are. They're splashing in the water. It's only kind of, you know, uh, knee deep here. So there is splashing. The tide is out by the looks of it, but they splash under the, under the, under the river towards the bridge. And then you can see them looking up under the bridge. What is it? What do you see? They both stand there looking up under the bridge. They're almost unresponsive, standing there, knee-deep in the water, the cold water that is flowing between them. And they just look up at the bridge between them. Why, 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 are, you, why are you looking at the bridge? What have you seen? Come out. The matron will tell father that you're in the river again. They don't respond. They stand in the river, under the bridge, looking up at the underneath of the bridge. What do you do, George? He looks 
and he's going to summon all his 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 bravery and he steals himself and he's going to tell them to get out of the water and he goes down and uh, can you give me a power roll to see if you're able to do this please reverend george tiny teenager george he he summons up and that is 29 versus 60, a hard success. You manage to push your stutter behind you. You summon the physical strength. You drop into the freezing cold water that is the ocean water up to your knees, probably a bit further because you're the youngest, probably halfway up your thighs. And you wade over to where your brothers are. The three brothers standing side by side. The three brothers. Three brothers. And I imagine you look up, George. Please tell me if you do. Absolutely. Adam and Philip are looking. He, absolutely. He looks up and says, what are you doing here? What are you looking at? You see a familiar symbol. You see carved under the bridge a wide circle. And within that, three tides the waves leading up to this anchor-like shape, leading to two singular duo circles, and then a singular circle above. A symbol that you might not come to understand until you are older and have spent time with the rest of your family. But as soon as you see that symbol, you feel a sharp pain jar into your mind. Reverend, can you give me a power roll, please? Sure. Success, regular success, 30 versus 60. Reverend, you feel this pain in your head and you fall back into the water. You don't put your head under the water, but your hands go down as you fall back and the cold of the seawater, oh, it washes over you, gives you a bloody awakening. And there is a flash of an image in your head. Did you see a throne, a seat, and you blink and Thomas is before you, having just talked to you about Primogen, tradition, uncle, Uncle, Thomas, please join in. Uncle. Uncle, what the... You, you must understand where I am coming from with this family tradition. <laughs> Master Thomas, are you telling me that your father is dead? Are you telling me my brother, my only living relative, is dead? Because if he is... Then Master Thomas, Lord of the Manor, then I shall very gratefully bow. Until then, Master Thomas, till you can tell me that your father is dead and my brother is dead, I suggest we rest this matter. Pay our respects to the Prado in the box, shall we say. Try and control your sister and uh, see what influence uh, Miss Lambert can have on her. She seems to be a good influence, but I fear she is being affected at this very, very traumatic occasion. Now I made myself clear, Master Thomas. I do want this estate for you at the right time. (laughs) Come on. You've got some growing up to do. You can't stop drinking overnight, you know. And he'll give him a bit of a nudge, try and break the ice with a bit of a pally after laying down the law with him. I think after everything that Thomas has withstood over this past hour in the house, a bit of a truce is probably welcome here. 
I got very well, Uncle. Everybody seems absolutely bloody balmy. You seem to be the only sane person here. But there is a significant knocking at the door. The door eventually opens, regardless of you opening it. And uh, Adrian, who's the carriageman, pops his head through. Um, you would know his name's Adrian. And he, um, Anastasia would know that, but uh, just for continuity. Adrian opens the door. Um, well, I'm so sorry, uh, my lord, uh, my lord. Um, Mr. Aldworth made sure that I was ready here to make sure you were ready to go down into the town for the service. Uh, indeed, Mr. Mr. Burrows, uh, would you be so good as to <laughs> perhaps try and find uh, Miss Anastasia and Miss Lambert? We wouldn't want them to miss the coach now. Of course, sir, yes, at once. Very oh, good. And, um, and we must ask you about that coachman, did he? We must ask him about that coachman when he gets back. That really is quite a mystery, Master Thomas. Burrows we? run out somewhere. Let us head. Let us head down to the town, down to the church, pay our respects to dear great 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 grandfather I I lose track but hold your head high Master Thomas we must put on a good show for the uh, villagers for the family for the family for the family as you leave the house you are adorned with overlaying black coats black hats black handkerchiefs and as you walk down the very long drive that you have, you can see at the bottom, just on the other side of the river, the bridge, the bridge. You can see on the other side of the bridge, there are a number of townsfolk who are all dressed in black and they very much appear to be waiting for you. We'll move to Anastasia and Charlotte. Anastasia, you have seen Charlotte lean and fall and dive into the lake behind your new homestead. What do you do, Anastasia? Help! Someone help! Uh, Anastasia does not know how to swim, so... You're 50 yards away from the house. No one hears your call, and you are very aware of the fact that no one hears your call. Uh, Mr. Burrows, could you give me a, oh, I think probably an intelligence roll first to see how you navigate the house that you've only spent a little, uh, a bonus die. You've spent some time in the house um, before you're able to even get near to where they might be. Absolutely. This is where we find uh, Mr. Burrows just gets lost in an attic somewhere and isn't discovered for three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, he wouldn't have it any other way. Very grateful for that bonus die for having been here before, because um, clearly he almost makes a false turn and then remembers himself. Uh, initial roll, 94, uh, but the other one, luckily, 42 under 75. So initially, as you say, taking one turn, then another, then uh, backtracking, finding your way through, there's the coffin. There's the room with the will. There's the room that we initially had the discussion with Mr. Burroughs. There's the conservatory. The music room, the hunter's room. Okay, yeah, bearings got out in the garden. That's when you see these two uh, silhouettes 50 yards away uh, lying on the bank of the Prido Lake. Anastasia, no one hears you immediately. There's no immediate uh, uh, response. You call for help, but Charlotte has fallen into the lake. What you do? Oh, man. Uh, Anastasia looks around, realizing that no one can hear. Um, you see, like, 
is is Charlotte submerged and staying under water She's, or is she floating? She seems to have fallen into the water and she doesn't seem to have resurfaced yet. Okay, off we go. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, She's what would you like to, to give me? I'll tell you what. Carefully and slowly, you know, just sit down and, and kind of reach inside and then get a bit further in okay so you can either give me a swim roll you can give me a jump roll or what i like to call is a wade roll where essentially you give me a dexterity roll in terms of you're wading in slowly and using your hands to search a wade roll seems like the best <laughs> option for me again chaosium if you're listening wade roll let's say uh, <laughs> cult and culpability original <laughs> skill there wade roll that is a hard success with a 26 over 75. Okay. So, uh, Charlotte Lambert, as you fall into the water, as you dive into the water, as you fall into your husband's arms, you splash into the water. For a moment, you find yourself splash the water washing over you, the coldness, but the warmness, the blackness, but the light the absence but the lavender and you're standing on the deck of a boat that you're familiar with but you're also standing next to your husband Philippe you're standing on the deck of the ship you recognize the ship the ship is the Devonshire Philippe and Charlotte you can't see anybody else aboard this ship you hear the odd voice Pull it down, right? Pull it around like this. Put that goggle right there. You hear the odd voice. What is it that you do, Charlotte and Philippe? I've been here before. I had a dream like this. It's all about dreams, right, dear Charlotte? But what does it mean? Why? Why am I seeing this? You're seeing this, my dear, my love. Because you're not going far enough. Because you don't know the truth yet. Because the stars are still waiting for you. You understand, right? You mean I have to die to of be with you again? Not, I... my dear. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. As Philippe says, I want you to live, he opens the door and you recognize that door as the main captain's door. Above that door is in bronze the name, the Devonshire. And he opens the door and you hear a sound from within. Anastasia, as you wade into the water to grab Charlotte, you wade into the water, swooshing your hands through this water. You find her skirt, you find her leg, you grab onto her. Could you give me a power roll, please? Let's do it. That is a success with 37 over 65. And could you give me a 1d4 roll, please? That is a three. Okay. <laughs> I don't know Charlotte. what that means. <laughs> You are speaking to your husband, your late husband, as he opens the door into the deck, the captain's quarters of Devonshire. And then almost as if by magic, Anastasia appears at your side on the deck of the Devonshire. Anastasia, you appear after reaching out and grabbing Charlotte 
you are now on the deck of the Devonshire. Charleston's there, and there is a gentleman there with long brown hair, a moustache, and a rather creative dress sense, holding the door open to the captain's quarters, and you hear the sound. Oh, no, not here, not again. You trust me, my dear. Yes. You need to be the captain of your life. The captain of the boat. You need to challenge yourself. Follow me now. Inside. Charlotte, <coughs> Charlotte, what's happening? Yeah. Anastasia, yeah. How, how are you here? Yeah. You fell into the lake, I came to save you. What's happening? I'm scared, this Charlotte. This is my husband. Philippe, this is Anastasia. She's a, she's she's my my friend, my only friend. Is she I think. your friend, or are you only her employee? Anastasia, are you here to give orders again to my wife? Oh, are you? Of course not. I just want to help her. I just want her to be successful, happy, special, unique. Then why is she submerged in a lake? She's not in a lake. She's on a boat. On that, me. on that word, she's on a boat. Charlotte and Anastasia and Philippe. Can you all roll me a power roll, please? That's of course, a- Newman. That's a hard success with a 17 over 65. Oh. A regular success, 36 against 55. I think this couldn't be more beautiful if I was <laughs> writing this. And I'm not writing this. The dice are writing this. Oh, my word. Anastasia, you had a hard success, 17 over 65, you said? Yes. Charlotte, you had a regular success, 36 mm-hmm. over 55, you said. Yep. And Monsieur Philippe Lambert, you had an 85 over 80 failure. I did. As Monsieur Philippe Lambert holds the door for you, and you hear this noise coming from the captain's quarters. <laughs> <laughs> You hear that coming from the captain's quarters. There is a moment, Charlotte, there is a moment where you feel you hear a voice in that desperate sound from whatever's in there. And the words you hear, Charlotte, are... (laughs) Anastasia, with a hard success, 17 over 65, You hear the voice say, Find me, Anastasia. Find me, help me, free me. And with a snap, Charlotte, Anastasia, you find yourself awake on the shore of the lake, spluttering, coughing in each other's arms. You don't know what's happened. You don't know where Philippe has gone. But you are on the bank of the lake of Pridae Manor. And let's be honest, as a reoccurring theme, you are both completely wet through in your clothes and you are holding each other. What do you do? 
Charlotte scrambles to her feet, looking around wildly. Philippe, Philippe, mon amour, où est tu, mon amour? Philippe, where Charlotte, are you? What happened? You almost where died. How could you do that? You, you are was both going to need to give me a sand roll. Apologies, I should have said. Uh, it's a hard success for me with a 24 over 64. You are used to this, Anastasia, and as much as this disturbs you, and it does fundamentally disturb you, rocks you to your core, you recognize, and I have to say with a success there, Anastasia. Yep. I think it's fair to say you recognize, and I'm not going to ask you for a Cthulhu Mythos role because I know we gave you Mythos, but you recognize you were not in your dream. Mm-hmm. But you gain one point of Mythos. Okay. One singular point because you know from that role that hard success that wasn't your dream that was charlotte's you were in charlotte's dream charlotte what was your sanity role that was a failure unfortunately 69 against 49 (laughs) where's philippe why am i not on the (laughs) ship go crazy (laughs) yeah absolutely one point of sanity loss, I'm afraid. Okay. I have lost five sanity points today. Mr. Burrows, you find Anastasia and Charlotte literally hugging each other on the bank of the Prido Lake. And they're very wet. You, you've, only just, you've only just been with Mr. Aldworth and the Reverend and Lord Thomas after not only within 12 hours, possibly 14 hours, been in Miss Anastasia's room while she was soaked through in her dress. You This is just a thing, apparently. Well, there's a reoccurring theme here, Mr. Burroughs, where you seem to be catching certain ladies of certain standing in a very susceptible position. Mr. Burroughs, what do you do? Turn around, fuck away. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Time to get a new apprentice. <laughs> I smooth out my eyebrows and I take a first step towards them. Mr. Burroughs, apologies. Please tell me what you're doing. Um, so I guess he's been approaching at a sort of a, a hurrying, skipping, like just short of indecorous, you know, haste. Uh, and he slows down as he, as he notices the way the dress is like completely drenched. And he clears his throat. <clears> throat> Oh, Miss Bruneau, Miss Lambert, oh, my goodness, uh, good heavens, what could have happened? We fell. Uh, you rose into the lake, both of you? Well, Charlotte fell and then I, I tried to help her. Oh, dear, oh my good, oh, please, please, back to the house, we, we must get you dry, please, one of you, take my coat. He'll start shrugging out of it and try and hand it vaguely to, uh, I guess, to Anastasia. <laughs> I will pass it off to Charlotte, who clearly needs it more. <laughs> She's more shaken than I am. Oh, so sweet. Mr. Burroughs, is there somewhere that you need to be? Is there well, somewhere was... that Mr. Aldworth is going with Reverend George and Lord Thomas? Yes, I was uh, sent to fetch these two so that we could all go and join a funerary procession. So he is now <laughs> trying to maintain like a fixed, thin-lipped smile while he completely panics because this is not proper attire and he is going to get the blame i have to say as a keeper as an aside it is quite wonderful having characters where you can say you're supposed to be doing this and they go oh shit 
I need to be doing this. That's quite a wonderful thing. It's quite a cool uh, convention. Um, so apologies, Mr. Burrows. Uh, you provide your coat as suitable cover for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Mr. Burrows comes over to you. He gives you his coat. He, he tries to look after you. What happens? Do you allow yourselves to be sort of ushered uh, with all due speed back to the house where hopefully you have a change of clothes? I am personally exhausted by all of this and knowing that there's no time in front of Mr. Barrett to talk to Charlotte about anything that has happened. Anastasia's just going to haphazardly just follow along and do what needs to be done. Charlotte is very confused at this point. She doesn't know what she's just experienced and she's also the shivers are starting to set in at this point, I think. And so, yeah, she's she wants to stay outside and she wants to keep looking for Philippe, but she's she's beginning to realize that she's not well at all from her little dip in the pool and she needs to go and get warm and get dry and get changed if she's going to be of any use at all. So I can imagine it's no time at all before Mr. Burroughs brings you back to the house. The staff are able to reclothe you. Minimal questions are asked. I'm gonna ask you all, Mr. Burroughs, Charlotte and Anastasia, just for a quick psychology role on the staff. My own, just my own gratification here. Uh, Charlotte, what was your role? That was a fail, 52 against 20. Okay. Uh, Anastasia, what was your role? Uh, great failure of 72 against 10. <laughs> Mr. Barrows, what was your role? On top of that, actually, that was an 81 over 40. Okay, so not <laughs> a single one of you recognised anything. What, if anything, you're able to perceive from the staff at the Prairie Manor is they are more than happy to accommodate whatever situation you find yourself in, they will provide. They will stay quiet and they will present themselves because this is Prido Manor. Not just any manor, this isn't Shepford Manor, this is Prido Manor. This is where secrets come to die. And you find yourselves being reclothed, repositioned. It's not long before yourself, uh, before you find yourselves on the walk down to the bridge, which leads over the river and into the town. Ooh. Reverend George, Thomas, you are already at the church and you are waiting slightly awkwardly for Charlotte and uh, uh, Anastasia's uh, arrival because they are expected there. You have been accompanied by a number of the locals, all wearing black, a local. You see a complete range of, I mean, my God, Thomas, dare I say, there is no one of the Tom that you immediately recognize in the procession. This is just the commoners, common a, folk. Why would, but, but the family surely has such a reputation that people would be flocking. Something's not right here. But they'll probably be there. They'll be at the church. They're not going to walk in with the common phone. Of course not. The family process, that's tradition, but society will be in the church. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. You recognise, and Reverend George, this is second nature to you, you recognise that the town, the people of the town, they have their right, if they want to, to pay respect. Reverend, can you give me a religion role, please? He's really... 
just caught up in the situation. <laughs> that is a 97 versus a 60. You absolutely recognize that it is an, a horde of locals, not aristocracy, not the ton, not the expected higher echelons of society. What you see here are the common folk. But my God, are they turned out well, Reverend. My God, have they made an effort. Thomas, you even noticed this. It's not that they're just swarming like bloody bees to the hive, and that's obviously, of course, what they are, the filthy little commoners that they are. But, Thomas, to you, they've turned out well. They've sorted out their suits, their dresses. They're wearing relatively apparent morning dress. It appears that Lord Matthew Pridot was a bit of a big deal to this society. As naturally he should be, as a Pridot. Thomas will not make eye contact with them, of course, but will acknowledge their attitude and their manner and feel proud. Indeed. And as yourself and Reverend Prideau find yourself thrust upon horses following the carriage, you are riding behind the procession, well, in front of the procession. Essentially, there's the carriage that carries uh, Lord Matthew Prideau, then there's you on the horses, then there's the procession of commoners in their rather well-to-do black and white attire. As they lead down into Kingscombe, they make a sharp turn east and then north again. It was almost as if you're returning back on the manor house, because this is something you can see from the grounds of the front of the manor house, is the church and the graveyard. But as you arrive at the church, there are attendants there bringing you down from your horses. There are attendants there taking the coffin out of the carriage, the black varnished carriage that takes Lord Matthew Pridder's coffin out and into the church. Outside of the church, Reverend, you see that there is a priest standing there. You can see that the majority of individual commoners are standing waiting, very much waiting for you to go in, waiting for their permission to enter the church. You are both very welcome to enter with this father, this Reverend, you're not sure, standing outside of the church, nodding, seeing the coffin being taken into the front of the church. And he welcomes you, Reverend, and you, Thomas, over. Hello. Welcome. Uh, please, uh, please, 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 come over, come over. Um, please tell me. Oh, please tell me that you are, are long-estranged Prideau relations. Indeed. Uh, Thomas Prideau. Uh, I am the uh, son of Lord Adam. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure where the dear departed falls in the family lineage, but I am heir to this state. And may I introduce my my uncle as well? Oh, quite wonderful, quite wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And and my absolute condolences. I am so sorry to hear of your absolute loss, um, Reverend. Did you say? Did I hear you say? That is correct. Reverend George Prideau, I am brother oh, to Oh dear, it Adam is Prideau. wonderful to have a brother in arms and he reaches out and just absolutely hugs you, uh, Reverend George, just gives you an absolute bear hug. And this is a f relatively frail old gentleman, um, but full of life, full of life. 
Uh, not someone who seems to be weak in any strength, sense or form, but gives you a bloody good hug uh, and then returns back to his normal state. Please, um, I would absolutely love it if you know you were able to come forward. Uh, you were there when we set our passages uh, for Lord Matthew Prideau. Uh, perhaps even um, one of you, Reverend, I'm looking at you. I apologise and I don't mean to put any pressure upon you, but if you were willing, to do a reading, I would be just so thankful for mm, your it would, support. It would be a, a pleasure and, uh, of course, a solemn duty I would be very happy to fulfill for, for the family, of course. My word. Okay, so I am just in absolute reverence of the fact that you are willing to give yourself out to, to, to say these words. Listen, um, I'll make sure you have a little look in advance so you know what you're saying. But what I'm going to do is make sure each of our, how shall I say, loyal followers are attended to. So look, get yourselves in, get yourselves comfortable, I'll make sure everybody comes in. Uh, and uh, Reverend, he hands you a book. It's a bloody heavy book, but it's open on a specific page. Right. And he hands you this, and he basically points at the three paragraphs that he expects you to say. At which point, the Reverend then uh, ushers Thomas you in, and uh, he begins kind of you know, handshaking everybody on the way in. Oh, so you're welcome. You know, thank you so much for being here. You know, Lord Matthew's absence is an absolute uh, 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 scar on the community. It's really something that we're all going to feel. It doesn't matter where you are, if you're in a manor, if you're in a sty, we're going to feel his loss. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for being here i just really appreciate you being here and and you and oh look at this beautiful baby here and i hope you're coming for the blessing on sunday because if you're not you won't get the blood of the lord and that sleeping lord they think of you in their dreams and they usher everybody in slowly but surely Everybody comes in. At the end of the procession, finally, Charlotte and uh, Anastasia and Mr. Burroughs, you find yourself joining. And it's very obvious that the Reverend recognizes at the end of the procession that you are not simply common folk. Oh, um, please, um, if you let me know what family you're from, I'll be able to seat you appropriately. Um, Milady, Milady, Monsieur Anastasia Prideau. Oh my God! I'm, I'm, I'm so, sorry. And he crosses himself. I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. Prideau. Um, please, your brother and your, um, I believe, your uncle. They're right at the front. Please go right ahead. You, you sit yourself with them. I apologise. I am hugely apologetic, and my sympathies are with you for your loss. My word. You are a brave, brave soul. Lady, my lord, may I seat you? Uh, with me, please. Oh, of course. My lady, my lord, please follow Miss Prideau. He gives you a bit of a side eye as you both walk in. And you sit down and the coffin is brought there and everybody has a moment. You can sense the atmosphere. You can sense that everybody in this town, my God, bloody everybody there's even a queue outside of people to get in black and white everywhere 
even in Shepherd Manor, if you went to a funeral in Hampshire, you'd never expect as many people. This is literally everybody in the bloody town. Literally everybody in the bloody town. I would like to say a few words. And this is the uh, Reverend walking down back to the parapet, very much giving you, Reverend George, a nod. I uh, can speak many words about our gracious Lord and about those he has already helped. We are a community blessed. We are a community that thrives upon the goodwill, the good nature, and the miracles that happen to those that are deserved. But I would ask in this moment of loss to all of us here, as Lord Matthew Prudeau meant so much to every single one of us, that it is one of his own blood, that it is the good Reverend George Prideau that recite to you the testaments of our three apostles, Reverend. The Reverend strides very happily up to the golden eagle, which is opened with the place to rest his book. He looks out, hey, He's worked a crowd before. He knows that uh, if he does a good show, there's going to be a little bump in the donations and people <laughs> are leaving. And he looks down at the words and he's a little puzzled, but does his best. As we shall read from the book of e e Elias, 8, 38 and 39. Neither death, nor life, nor beings, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of the Holy Trinity, which is inherent in our uh, sleeping Lord. Amen. And he waits for the crowds to nod and smile. And we read now from Jonathan chapter 19 verses 25 to 27. Wait for the pages to stop flickering. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that it shall stand up on the earth with the shores, looking down upon the earth, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eye shall behold, and I shall witness the embodiment of the Holy Trinity, of the Holy Trinity in the red light of the Lord, and he waits and nods and murmurs, and he looks down at the page. He notices that the Lord isn't capitalized, which it usually is when it's referring to a specific verse in the Bible. We now read from Matthew 11, chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. He takes both hands, puts them on the wings of the eagle, I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord in the form of its dream. Those that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. As the immortal reign, the faith join the holy trinity of those who have seen aeons pass. And God's slumber? Uh, uh, 
Witness works as it shall truly is and inevitably should be. And he sort of like gives a dramatic bows ahead to the last line. Thomas is going to lean over to a nearby person in the um, in the in the pews next to him. Somebody looks of, of high enough standard and uh, says, "Is this a usual uh, eulogy? It's uh, not not what I'd recognise from when my uncle normally reads. It's very very well read, but it's uh, is it a particular translation of the Bible?" Oh. Yeah, right, my lord, yeah, no, absolutely, you know, I mean, this is what um, Reverend Marsh does. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the Lord, isn't it? It's, it's our holy trinity. Um, is it, what were you expecting, my lord? Well, it's just a little bit more traditional. King James Bible is the, the usual, I think, but... Uh... <laughs> Not here, my lord. I don't mean to be rude, of course, uh, but here... I mean, miracles happen, right? Of course. And Thomas goes back to watching the service thinking, what a strange oik. Is there anything anybody else does? Because the service passes, the service comes, the the, the coffin is there. Uh, Reverend Marsh sees Reverend uh, Prido through the original service. And it's quite beautiful and it's quite lovely. And you can clearly see that the entire townsfolk are committed to this service. But you can also see that there's a move to bring the coffin back to the Prido Manor to its final rest. Is there anything anybody does before that move happens? Mr. Bose takes the opportunity to whisper effusive apologies to Mr. Aldworth in the back row or wherever he is for being late. Not the right time, Mr. Burrows. Not <laughs> the right time. So, As yes, an sir. apprentice of mine, I would fully expect you to be on time, in Wait, place, and if I could as just explain... actual as I expect you to be. Please do not make me an emotional individual, Mr. Burrows. You know I detest emotions. Yes, sir. Of course. I'm sorry, sir. Say that again. Uh, yes, sir. Of course. I'm sorry. Very good, Burrows. Anybody else? Anybody else do anything specifically before the coffin is returned back to the Prado land and to the Prado vault, which you know is expected because it's on the funeral, it's on the funeral card, it's on the the the, the kind of the passage that you know, the, the the funeral service that was presented to you. The Reverend would like to watch expectantly the retiring collection. Um, Anastasia is just keeping a close eye on Charlotte in her mental state. <laughs> Charlotte uh, hasn't really been paying huge amount. Oh, you go on. Okay. No, no, please, please. All I was going to do was ask Anastasia for a psychology role. Uh, but I oh. think, Charlotte, if you continue, and uh, Anastasia, if you give us that psychology role, I think that will fold in nicely. Charlotte hasn't really been paying a huge amount of attention to the sermon because her mind is clearly elsewhere. But when there was the mention of living beyond death, that struck something in her and uh, she's very quietly weeping. Anastasia, what was your psychology role? Oh, just uh, 89 over 10. Thanks for asking. <laughs> you very much think that and that Charlotte is 
just emotional at the service. It's a very emotional service. Yeah, the reading that Reverend George gave was was really powerful. I think the the one thing that stuck out to Anastasia was the mention of a red light that brought back the flash images of the red light from yeah, her dreams. It did. Um, she is not convinced by the sermon, but she doesn't know enough about that kind of stuff to like know for certain that it's strange, but she didn't like it. <laughs> okay. You find the service coming to an end. Reverend George Pereira has done an amazing job. And Reverend Marsh is doing nothing but applauding this delivery of the disciples of Elias, Jonathan, and Matthew, read perfectly by our in-house Prido. A huge surprise, welcome to the entire community. The community uh, disband, you see them filing out through the streets, crying, laughing, telling stories. It appears, without a role, that Lord Matthew Prido was not only a huge member of this community, but an incredibly well-respected member of this community. And as you remember that, you remember how he was presented in his coffin. Neck slit, skin pulled tight as if hiding something. His entire stomach removed a void, revealing just his spine. Fingers pinned together as if there was something to hide. You never really explored. You never really looked any further because it wasn't the right thing to do. God forbid, society forbid, not the right thing to do. But you see that coffin leaving the church. Can you give me a spot hit Everybody, give me a spot hidden, please. That is a regular success for the Reverend. 24 versus 31. Anastasia? Uh, here we have an extreme success of 5 over 45. Hmm. Charlotte? And also an extreme success of 5 against 35. Oh, Thomas. And to cancel that out, a pretty good failure of 93 <laughs> over 50. You can't help yourselves but see on the way out that there is some beautiful stained glass. And the stained glass isn't the normal expectation. Mr. Burroughs, may I ask what your role was? It was a hard success, 10 out of 40. So we have a regular, two extremes, and a hard. Okay, the regular sees this, which is a stained glass window of the Devonshire leaving Kingscombe. Our next role, our hard success, sees this, which is a stained glass window of the battle of the lizard, where we saw ship versus ship, cannons fired, left and right, right and left. But for those of us who got an extreme success, you're able to see this. The final stained glass intrusion where we see the Devonshire sunk at the bottom of the ocean. There's a multitude of these stained glass visuals that represent an ongoing story that are presented publicly as if this is something that we should all know about. 
Of course you know about it. It's the Devonshire, the ship that sails, the ship that fought, the ship that sunk. This is what you see, depending on your level of success. But the coffin of Lord Matthew Pridio is taken back up to the Pridio estate. You'll find quickly that as you ride up there on the horses that have been provided for you, except Mr. Burroughs for you and Miss Lambert for you, you are bundled into a carriage as Lady Prideau, Miss Prideau, should I say, uh, Lord Prideau, heir apparent, and Reverend Prideau, you are given horses to ride back up to the Prideau estate, round to the back of the house, not to where the lake is, off to the left, off to an area where the ground has been disturbed. Some things have been pulled from the ground, but beyond that, there is a family resting place, the vault. The coffin is taken there, you all find yourselves there, and you find, quite rightly, Reverend Marsh standing there. Much as he was standing there, Reverend George Prideaux, when you arrived. And he waits for you all to pull up, whether your carriage or horse. But you recognize that there is actually two gentlemen. You may have seen them in the church, well-dressed, as dressed as any member of the ton. Mm, probably about your age, Reverend, maybe a little bit younger. One who is standing tall, broad, chin up, looking at you as the Prideaux family. Another who is slightly hunched nodding as you're arriving, almost looking for your approval. But there is two gentlemen standing with you as you stand there at the Prido private funeral. The Reverend Marsh steps forward. Um, so, um, Reverend Dawood, um, I, there is one more reading to do. Uh, this is in line with, with Kingscombe's tradition. I, I, I'm more than happy to do it myself, but if you'd like to do it again, I, you know, I, I don't want to stand in the, in, in, in the way of, 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 of procession or of, of, of expectation. I know you, you are a fantastical orator. I saw you at the church. I was very impressed. But I'm more than happy to read for you, unless you would like to. Uh, but obviously, uh, the Prideau family collected is here, and he bows. He bows deep, and then, and we have the representatives here of 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 of, of the Hawthorne family and and of the Dunn family, and he bows very deeply, and brings himself up. Uh, Reverend George, what, what is it you'd like to do? Would, would you like to read, or would would would, would you like me to do the honour? I. Will be guided by you. Is it expected that the, the visiting Prudos would uh, read? Or uh, I have to admit, I'm I'm, I'm not recognising the the uh, text. You see, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in the Bible. I am not recognising these these texts you seem to use down here here in King King's Oh, uh, oh if, if you would allow me, Reverend. Oh, it would be a privilege, an absolute privilege. Um, please. Um, before I start, and he kind of walks over to Thomas, where you are, Reverend, where you are, Anastasia, where you are, uh, Mr. Burroughs, Charlotte, where you are as well, because there's no distinction between, you know, I imagine you stand as a group, unless Charlotte and Mr. Burroughs, do you place yourself separately? 
No, I, I think Charlotte's probably following quite close behind Anastasia, although she's kind of operating on autopilot at this point. Mr. Burroughs would stand a little apart in deference. He, obviously, this is the morning family. So then, as soon as you're together, you see, and this is this is much more private. This isn't the same as the church. This is just you five and Lord Hawthorne and Lord Dunn who stand there very respectively. They don't even make eye contact at this point. They just stand very respectively. Reverend Marsh gives Reverend George Prideau the nod. I am very honoured, very honoured to do this. Um, okay. <laughs> Man that is born of a woman hath but a short time to live, and is full of misery. He cometh up and is cut down like a flower. He fleeth as it were a shadow, and never continueth in one stay. In the midst of life we are in death, of whom we may seek for succor, but of thee, O Lord, child, of the Holy Trinity, who has the power to grant life everlasting. Yet, O Lord most holy, O Lord most mighty, O Lord, O holy and most merciful Saviour, deliver us into your immortal grace, and we will deliver you into our world, never to embrace the bitter pains of eternal death. Thou knowest, Lord, the secrets of our hearts, the hearts of the sea, and shut not thy merciful ears to our dreams, but spare us, Lord most holy. Oh, sleeping Saviour, most mighty, oh, holy and merciful God among gods, thou most worthy judge eternal, suffer us not at our last hour for any pains of death, but bring us along on your everlasting journey. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, good, good. And he kind of nods and bows and thinks he's done a really good job and he comes over and shakes your hand, Reverend, and shakes your hand, Thomas, and, and you know, nods to you, Anastasia, and goes over to Lord Hawthorne, shakes his hand, who doesn't seem that impressed, shakes the hand of Lord Dunn, who seems very impressed. Um, and then it is, unless there's anything you'd like to do, Lord Hawthorne, who steps forward. Remembering that you're in the grounds of Pridham Manor here, the funeral grounds, 30, 40 odd yards away from the house, you know, you, you can see the lake not too far away. You can see the house. It's Lord Hawthorne who steps forward. Right, we have a dinner. Let us return, Lord Prido. And there's a question there that sits in the air. And eyes glance between you, Thomas, and you, Reverend. Dinner sounds absolutely delightful. Uh, I believe um, we have been introduced by the vicar, Lord Hawthorne, I believe. Indeed, 
and it I is be... an absolute pleasure to make your acquaintance, oh. Lord Prideau. The pleasure is entirely mine, my dear, my dear Hawthorne, if, if I may be so bold as to, to call you thus. Indeed, we are the... He looks around. There's only you there. There's Dunn there. There's the Prideau family. We are the ruling class of Kingscombe. You, my dear Prideau, may call me what you wish. Let us return for dinner at your stately manor and remember your forebears in the way that they should be remembered. Come. I think, I think that's a capital idea. And on the way up to the, the, the manor, I would like to press Hawthorne a little more on the character and history of uh, the late Matthew Prideau. Before this conversation well. finishes, Reverend will step up to Master Thomas's side and give a <clears throat> Master Thomas, are you going to introduce me to this gentleman? Why, of course, after your capital reading, I feel this is only apt. Uh, my dear Hawthorne, may I introduce you to my uncle, the Reverend, and he stresses Reverend, uh, George Prideau, who read for us so eloquently. Um, yeah. I'm sure we have uh, plenty that we'll be able to discuss over dinner and maybe a glass or two of claret from the cellars. Shall I see what we can send up? Little oh, George. Is, <laughs> ah. is this a uh, dinner you. for There's a little wee nipper. I remember you playing in the river with my boy, Tobias. Indeed, indeed. Can you give me a history roll, please, Reverend? He'll certainly give it a go. Uh, that is a failure, 84 versus 30. You can't quite place this particular individual. You can't remember playing with Tobias Hawthorne, who he presumes to present to you as his son. You can't seem to remember that. You remember playing in the river, you remember playing with a number of kids. The name Hawthorne, it hangs there, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Not yet, not quite. There's almost a small throb in your mind, though, as if this is something you should know. You should know this, but you don't know this. But you should know this, but you don't know this. Yeah, you remember playing with uh, Tobias in the river, no doubt. Reverend, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to have all of you Pridos here. We have been sorely missing the Prido presence in Kingscombe. It is an absolute boon to our community that you are here. And we are, as you would expect, looking for the right, right way forward here with the Prido family. Indeed, indeed. And, and once we get the uh, classification of title of Lord, Sort it out. You, you, you see, Master Thomas here forgets that my brother is still alive, and so we're, we're a little unsure as to who is Lord Prideaux at this present moment in time. Uh, think of me, if you uh, will, as a uh, Lord Regent, <laughs> just like our king has a regent looking after the country, so I shall look after the estate in my, in my brother's absence, and Master Thomas here will will be of great assistance uh, to this, because naturally, he is the heir apparent. And he will is the assumption there that your brother state. went mad, like our king? Or is the assumption there that your nephew has gone somewhat mad, like our king? Either way, 
I'd be interested to know because the state of mind of the heir to the Prado throne is rather important to me and done, done. Oh, yes, no, quite right. Need to know that the, uh, the new lord of the Prado Manor is, is, is on board. Uh, Miss Lambert, Miss Lambert, I believe. Um, uh, yes. We haven't met. Uh, uh, Dunn, uh, Dunn, uh, d- 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 Mr. Dunn, Lord, sorry, so it's Lord Dunn. Pleasure to meet you uh, very much, very much, very much uh, pleased to be acquainted with you. Uh, we would love to host you over at Dunn Manor uh, in the near future, if that's something that you would uh, be willing to acquiesce to. Charlotte, sorry, Miss Lambert. You're very kind, sir. I've recently come out of mourning for my late husband. I've only just re-entered society, but yes, I I would be pleased to attend dinner at your mansion. We'd be very keen to have you, and uh, huge apologies for uh, your loss, Philippe. Uh, d- uh, Mr. Lambert, I mean, uh, apologies. Um, d- uh, uh, um, very good that you'd be there. My wife would be very uh, pleased to have you at the manor with us, Miss Lambert. Thank you. You can see Hawthorne is not fully happy with this reeling spout of nonsense that Dunn is offering here. Hawthorne looks at both Thomas and the Reverend and Charlotte and Anastasia and Mr. Burroughs. Dinner was proposed at Prado Manor. Am I wrong or is this something we are all moving towards? We should be in a position to say our goodbyes to Lord Matthew and any concerns, questions, thoughts, remembrances, should I say, of Lord Matthew Prado should attend in such a manner. Dinner? Dinner. Sounds very agreeable. Master Thomas, could I leave you? To make the arrangements with these good gentlemen, I must uh, attend to some business. Very well. Um, my lords, if you would care to join me, I shall uh, show you personally to the dining room, and we shall uh, enjoy a sumptuous banquet, and of course the Prideaux's expense, to show that the new Prideaux's in town will be no different from the old. And maybe if I might be so bold, a game of dice or cards to follow? You see a smirk on Hawthorne's face. Dunn looks a little bit shocked, but Hawthorne seems keen. Uh, But uh, Hawthorne, Dunn, uh, Anastasia, Mr. Burroughs, they all follow you in absolute stead all the way to the dining room. Charlotte, you follow as well. Philippe, you join. But Philippe, you're attendance is only in the ear of charlotte this is in the waking world you can speak whenever you want to charlotte but you find yourself in the company and you can see everybody philippe you can see lord hawthorne lord dunn almost these these royal individuals they are a step down from royalty but here in kingscombe they are royalty and they are looking to see who is the new Prido. Who is the new Prido? Who's the new king of the house Prido? 
and there clearly is a decisive decision to be made. But we find ourselves uh, revolving around the dining room as Thomas brings in Hawthorne, brings in Dunn. There's the conversation of gambling. Hawthorne smiles. Charlotte joins. Anastasia joins. Burroughs hangs in the background watching the observations. And there is a number of conversations that happen. Is there anything anybody would like to do in this particular moment? I think the conversation should very much be uh, drawn towards the sort of person that Matthew Prido was and a little more about his life because, again, his date of death being 1700s rather than 1812, birth, birth date 1650s. I just want to clear up some, some, some details here. So who are you asking and what are you asking? I seem to have quite a good rapport with Hawthorne at the moment, so I think... Uh, Lords Hawthorne and Dunn are, of course, the two gentlemen that I shall be expressing most of my discussions to. But, uh, yes, I think Lord Hawthorne is the premier choice. Okay, so what do you ask? Hawthorne, old chap. Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether you could tell us a bit more about my, uh, my dearly departed uh, relative. You see, up until recently, we were under the impression that he was already uh, with the angels. Um, what sort of man was he? Oh, I can tell you he was a great man. Fine sailor and an absolute uh, leader, I think to say the least. There was myself and there was Matthew and there was Jonathan. And between the three of us, we brought Kingscombe back from its heels. We brought it up. We gave it person. We gave it sustenance. We gave it personification in the sense that it was alive. We gave this town a purpose. And you know what? In the absence of a Prida, Thomas, we are looking for someone exactly like you. We are looking for exactly someone who can step into those shoes of a leading lord. Corral the people of this town, and let them know that we are moving on to something greater, something stronger. And if wow. you do that, Thomas, if you do that for us, King Iskum will pay you back in kind. Well, I have to say that uh, it would be remiss of me to fail in my lordly apparent, with the apparent being directed especially to uh, Uncle George, my lordly, my uh, lordly apparent, duties. And yes, so it is true that I am not lord of the manor just yet. I do fully intend to be. So anything that I can do to aid this transition for the future, of course, I would be happy to oblige. Uh, you say you served with Lord Matthew. Uh, which, which campaign? Um, Trafalgar? Uh, maybe something <laughs> a little uh, earlier? <laughs> Listen, your former and I, let's just say, history passed between us. We were the saviors of not just this town, but, shall we say, the entirety of Devonshire. Jonathan was there too. Jonathan, come and express your loss here at the site of Matthew Prido. Pretend not to be too happy, shall we, Jonathan? And just as that conversation is going on, Charlotte... You can hear all this going on, but at the same time, 
not only is there Thomas in the room, there's Reverend Prideau in the room, there's Mr. Hawthorne in the room. You haven't asked his first name, so you don't know. There's Mr. Dunn in the room. You haven't asked his first name, so you don't know. There's Anastasia, who seems to be quietly talking to Mr. Burroughs at the side. They seem to be talking about the carriage ride, about the carriage driver. What is it that you do, Charlotte? Is there anything that you particularly do in this moment? I think Charlotte wants to know more about the Devonshire because that's the ship that she's been on in her dreams. And she remembers Philippe opening the door to the captain's cabin and that voice coming from within. But particularly, she remembers the first dream, the dream in the bookshop where there was a, a cannon fire and she was thrown overboard and nearly drowned. So I think she's going to try and angle herself into the conversation and try and find out more about the Devonshire and its wreck. You lean in as Hawthorne is speaking to Thomas. Dunn looks over when his name is mentioned. But just before you can say anything, you hear a voice and you smell the scent. Lavender washes over you. But a voice comes to you. Charlotte, it is time for you now. I showed you the door, and now you must come inside and talk to the others. You need to understand where you come from and where you fit right under the stars. And soon you will understand that you are. You are indeed far, far from your current status. What are you waiting for, Charlotte? Don't let the opportunity escape. Now is your time. Let Thomas and his uncle fight. You are not here to look for scrapes. You're here to open the door. Go talk with them. Charlotte, I'm going to ask you for a... I think give us a history role. No, no, I'm going to give you an option here. It's history, it's intelligence, it's... I'm asking you to try and recall something. So I'm going to say history or intelligence, but if you can think of another skill that allows you to recall something, uh, I'm going to throw power in there as well. There's Mm -hmm. a range of things. Depending on what you offer, depends on what you get as an answer. Okay, um, I think given that this is something sparked by Philippe and it's not sparked by a conversation at the table, I'm going to say that power is probably the most appropriate role to go for. Let's have it. And I don't like your expression, Newman. That's, uh, <laughs> I feel like I've fallen into a trap here. It's but, all a trap. Okay, I'm going to do it. Since you all agree to play. Is. Carlton Covenant, mm-hmm. it's all a trap. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay, I'm going to go for the power roll. And, oh, that was a failure of 98 versus 55. Oh. Very nearly a fumble. Well, you listen to Hawthorne. You listen to Dan. You see Philippe turn pale. You see the bags under his eyes. You see the cold sweat upon his forehead. You see his arm reaching out for you. Charlotte, what what are you doing to me? Why aren't you doing what I tell you to do? Why? 
and you hear a voice. Why? Rido! But in the midst of hearing that voice intertwined with your vision of Philippe here, ridden with cholera, even with that failed power roll, Rido! You hear an echo in your mind. Rido! Rido! No! You hear Hawthorne. Rido! The dots connect for you, Charlotte. It's the same voice. Rido! Listen, I've got to go and speak to Oldworth. There are a few legal observations that need to be made on this, shall we say, heir apparent reverend dispute i need to know where the legal factors stay so prudo stay here stay tight done with me prudos we'll be back in a moment bonsoir we await your return with uh, bated breath my dear sir um and i hope that the answer that allsworth can give you in his emotional state is uh, satisfactory. As I know it will be. Stops and turns to you. He offers one last question, and this isn't to anybody specifically. This is to Anastasia, this is to Burroughs, this is to Reverend George, this is to Charlotte, this is to Thomas. A question that is open to the room. Hawthorne Torn turns to the room and says, just out of interest, who is the head of house? There's an... Thomas looks at the reverend in a sort of... Silence. Silence. <laughs> Bounces off the walls. Thomas, please break this silence. The de facto head of affairs managing this state in the absence of my father... It's the Reverend George Prideau. It's unusual, Reverend, that you notice Hawthorne's and Dunn's eyes are on Anastasia. After your name is announced as the head of house, their eyes turns to you, Reverend, and there is a nod, a courteous nod, and then they leave. They only uh, go into the next room. As you know, that's where Oldsworth has gone in terms of uh, meeting them, clerical business, paying off the uh, events of the day, the services, etc., etc. You have a moment, Reverend Charlotte, Thomas, Anastasia, Burroughs, you have a moment all to yourself. Charlotte, Philippe is very much there and he is not well, and he is sweating, and he is holding out to you as much as he can, but you're all there. Nobody else can see, Philippe. What is it that you do? Charlotte reaches out to him, tries to take his hand, and if she can't reach it across the table, she'll get up and she'll run around the table to where she sees him sitting and tries to hold him. My dear, my dear, please, please. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Just... <coughs> You're not fine, Philippe. You're not. I, I, I can see it. It's, it's just like before. Charlotte, Please I love you. Is Charlotte speaking at this point? Oh yeah, out loud. Uh, at the start. Please don't um, go. Would, would you, would you be a uh, darling? I'm, and, uh, I'm take not Miss Lambert, perhaps outside. 
for presentation. No, I'm not going anywhere. Miss Lambert, you are making a scene. For your good name, keep your good name intact. This is my husband. Your husband is dead, madam. He's here. And what good name? I have no good name. I'm not a prido. You've made that quite clear. I'm the widow Lambert. That is who I am. You're so good. You're so much better than them. I should be very happy to discuss this with you later. And he passes her a note. Do the I see the notes? You do indeed. But we're going to pause on that note as you've been passed. Thomas, you see the Reverend pass Charlotte a note. Philippe, just before we go any further, you pass Miss Lambert a note. She has this physical note in her hand. Charlotte, you see that you are passed this note not only by Reverend George, but you are actually passed this note by Philippe Lambert, your deceased husband. At the same time you receive this note, one and the same, the same and one, this note is in your hand. Everybody give me a listen roll, please. That is a failure. 78. So a 78 over. Thomas? Uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, I know it's a failure because I know my listen's not that high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, listen is a 20. Yeah, that's a 78 over 20. 20 and uh, Anastasia, you have a 75, which is definitely a failure. Charlotte? I have a hard success of 6 against 20. And good reverend? It wouldn't be a game of Call of Cthulhu without a fumble. 100 Ooh. versus 20. Perfect. We'll come to that in a second. And Philippe, do you have a listen roll? I'm going to ask you for a listen roll. Ghosts get a listen roll? What? Well, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) We're not going to uh, (laughs) make any assumptions here. This is a very inclusive podcast. The dead also get to play. (laughs) I love it. It's not about classes. This is about your state of life. (laughs) Yes, he's not a true mortal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting, he's not a true mortal. Ooh. Okay. So, okay, we so have... Do I have luck? Let me look at that. Spiritual luck. I do have Probably luck. Probably not. I think you do. Dead. I'm pretty sure I gave you luck specifically for these moments. I have luck. Um, I'm going to spend zero luck because I don't care about it. I'm so sorry, human. <laughs> I will use my luck later on. Okay, I absolutely agree uh, here with uh, Philippe Lambert not using his luck because with the voices that you don't hear that you could have heard are the voices of Hawthorne and Dunn and Oldworth in the next room over. You're not interested in that. Your interests, Philippe Lambert, are very much in your wife, your widowed wife. Anything to do with your widowed wife, that is where your attention is drawn. But Charlotte... You had, remind me please. I had six against 20, so that's a hard success. And Reverend, you had? A fumble, 100 versus 20. Anastasia, you had a fail. Thomas, you also had a fail? Correct. And Mr. Burrows also had a fail. Uh, Reverend, you begin listening to Thomas. Thomas is giving you one of those stories about tradition, about place, about purpose, yet he has named you in front of Mr. Hawthorne, in front of Mr. Dawn, uh, Mr. Dunn rather, uh, the, well, the heir. Tell me if I'm wrong, Mr. Thomas Prideau. 
Oh, not not the heir. No, the 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 a current executor of the missing Adam Prudhoe's. Thank you, and that's estate. important. The current executor oh, oh, of the estate, uh, because that doesn't mean you're the heir. It doesn't mean there's any right there to pass on to your son Edward. This is a temporary position that you might hold whilst affairs are settled, in which. Thomas inevitably believes, I imagine, Thomas, that things will fall to you. But naturally, naturally. That is a natural assumption when we shall see. Charlotte, you hear something coming from the other room. The next room over, you're listening out for Philly. His voice seems to have gone quiet. You can see him standing in the corner. He doesn't look well. He's sweating. He's thin. He's shivering. You remember cholera. You remember what it did to your husband. What it made your husband, and it punished you. But you can't help here overlooking it. Philippe, the voices in the room next door. You hear distinct voices. Having heard them in the room that you're in, you're able to distinguish. Which voices are saying what you hear done? What, 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 what the hell are you doing here? You hear another voice. You think you recognize it. It's been a while, but you think you recognize it. Giving them nowhere to turn. Of course I am. Where is my bride apparent? You hear another voice. You recognize this as Hawthorne. Leave her alone. Do you understand? You hear a smash, a window. Smashing, clattering. What do you do, Charlotte? Charlotte will turn around to the rest of the table and kind of hold her hands up for quiet. Did anyone hear that? Hear what? I would say with the smash of the window, you might not have been able to hear the voices and the arguments, but the smash of the window is almost unavoidable in hearing. It is a loud crash, a smash. Everybody hears the shattering of the window, large window. What do you do? Something's wrong. It's a fight or something. I, I don't know. Shall Maybe these your... legal matters are just getting out of hand. I'll. I'll go and see what, what, what what's the matter. Charlotte, you, you're not done yet. Read the note. You're not done yet. Read the note. Thomas walks up towards the door, knocks on it smartly. My lords Hawthorne and Dunn, is everything okay in within? You hear a you hear two sounds. You hear a get back, and then you hear a ah. My lords, I feel it is probably in our best interest if I enter. Thomas, th this is the Prito house. Please use the doors as you see fit. Quite right, Uncle. Thomas opens the door. Smile Reverend on his face. George. My lords. Are you with Thomas? No, the Reverend is uh, sat, sat at the table, um, waiting for uh, Miss Lambert to read his note. And Miss Lambert, are you sat at the table waiting with this note as Thomas goes into the next room? Uh, she is definitely going to read the note because Philippe just asked her to. So, three things happen uh, in this moment. One is with Anastasia and 
Burroughs, they both inadvertently, at this moment, ass out. In the chairs that they're in, they slump, they fall forward, they almost fall into each other, into each other's arms, and are unconscious. Charlotte, you're sitting at the table facing Reverend George. Next to you is Philippe Lambert. Both of them saying to you, read the note, read the note. You open the note that the Reverend George, no, Philippe, no, Reverend George, no. Philippe handed to you. Do you know what? The note says exactly the same thing. It says you are done. The difference is the spelling, Charlotte. In the note that the Reverend handed to you, it says D-O-N-E, as in you are done. As in, is this a dismissal of appointment expected, considering the way the Reverend has treated you over the past few days? But the same note that you're handed from Philippe Lambert says you are done. But this says you are done, as in you are done. D-U-N-N. Thomas, you are opening the door into the room of which Hawthorne and Dunn have entered with Mr. Aldworth. And as you open the door, you see a sight before you, Thomas. You see Hawthorne holding his own wrist, his hand slipped open and blood pouring from it, showing you as if this is a wound of war. You see Dunn standing against the side of the room, cowering as his sweat pouring from his head, as if he has been victim to a horrible affair. And you see on the other side of the desk, Aldworth pinned to his chair with seven swords, sabers, you might say, used from the hall of Prido Manor itself that you witnessed earlier as you left Prido Manor. The swords pinning Oldworth to the desk from the chair and behind you see an individual standing there that you recognize from your youth, but different, a certain Mr. Jenkins with red eyes and red veins pouring from his face down his neck, staring at you with a smile on his face as he looks at you and says, Welcome, Lord Frida. I hope you have the land you I can't wait until we are valid. Thank you for joining us for season one of Cult and Culpability. If you have enjoyed this production from the Miskatonic Playhouse as much as we have, please rate and review us on whatever platform you use. It only takes a minute of your time, but makes a huge difference for the Miskatonic Playhouse and our listeners. Be sure to see our other productions at the Miskatonic Playhouse at www.miskatonicplayhouse.com. And make sure you join us for season two of Cult and Culpability, coming soon. Until next time, when the curtain rises again.